Are you tired of stressing out about your marketing? Wondering how to boost your online presence, attract more clients, and become a go-to expert in your field? You're in the right place. Welcome to the Marketing Chat Podcast. I'm Kelly. I'm a marketing strategist, podcast coach, and the best-selling author of the Podcast Launch Playbook. I'm here to help you get moving with your marketing with way less stress and way more fun. Jenna Zhang is the co-founder of StaffNet. She originally started a cleaning business with just $500 and a few contacts on LinkedIn. Stemming from the structural barriers she faced in running her own business, she fell into her passion of co-founding StaffNet, a software and app that aims to help small to medium businesses scale and organize themselves like the large enterprises that dominate the markets. Welcome, Jenna. I'm so happy you're here today. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. So tell us about StaffNet and how you came up with the idea for it. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a happy accident. So we basically found with our cleaning business, we were struggling to find a solution that suited us to be able to run the day-to-day operations um, so that we weren't working, you know, 68 hours a week because on at the time of the cleaning business, it was a side hustle, which many people have nowadays, right? It's the culture of side hustle. And this is back in 2018. So we're working a full-time job. And then from there, we're working evenings and weekends. So we needed to find a way to automate processes as much as possible because we just couldn't work as much as we were working and continually grow and move our business forward. So we had tried out several platforms and nobody was quite the right fit. And we kind of were joking that we could do it better. And then we took that joke a bit too far and met with a developer, which was a friend. And he said, you know, put together all your must-haves, which ended up being the wireframe. And then all of a sudden we're signing a contract and we were off to the races. And that was November of 2019. So almost three years ago now. But uh, yeah, originally we were just creating it for our tiny little business. And we just realized but at the year into it, um, that maybe somebody else could find this useful. And that's how that was, Daphne was conceived. Wow. So it was a year into it that you mm-hmm. decided to share it? Yeah. And even at the time, we weren't quite sure if we would even market it. So we did a beta. So we were still not quite giving it the green light. We were like at the yellow light stage. Yeah. Yeah. And so how did you get those first clients or or in that case, people to like beta test it? LinkedIn. <laughs> yeah. Just like with the cleaning business. Exactly. It's all about making these social connections and being able to meet people within your industry, right? And mm-hmm. being an entrepreneur can be really lonely. And mm-hmm. sometimes we, we can't speak to our friends and family about our business in the sense of them understanding or maybe being interested. And so I went to the one social platform that I know where my people showed up. And so then I just made those connections and went from there. And, you know, some people were not for it, but um, if you make a genuine and authentic connection, we found that went a really long way to be of service to people in our industry. And that's how we got some beta testers on board. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So before we go any further then, what does StaffNet do? Yeah. So we're a workflow optimization tool, which means we're going to automate your day as much as we can. So we are definitely for the little guys, small businesses and medium ones as well. 
and for service-based businesses. So this would be somebody like a cleaning business, like us, HVAC, plumbing, and we're going to do your employee scheduling. We're going to automate that. So the employees will automatically get their schedules. Your clients will automatically get confirmations, and then they're going to be able to check in and you can have the timesheets automatically show up. So all of these things are happening in the background so that you can live your life with your family or you can go and move your business forward on different adventures and stuff like that. But basically, we're going to automate as many things as possible throughout the day, tasks included, CRM, everything that you need just to have the solid foundation to run a business. Systems. Almost every interview I've done, we end up mentioning systems at some point. Mm -hmm. They are so important and essential if you're going to grow your business or scale it in any way. Isn't that right? Totally. Totally. Absolutely. Yeah. That's great. So did you create an ideal customer avatar before you launched or, or really before you got into the beta then? So no, it's not technically. We just had in our mind that we wanted to get a really large sample size of who could use it. So we went from people who owned restaurants to a brick and mortar store, service-based. And from there, we were able to actually find our avatar, essentially. So we started very broad and then we niched down from there. Mm. Yeah. That's great. That is a, an interesting way. And, and a very valuable way of doing it because your sir your SaaS can be used by so many people by mm-hmm. so many industries yeah but you know as it goes in marketing if you try to appeal to everyone you appeal to no one and so to market your service you really need to hone in on at least you know a narrower niche. So what niche did you end up settling on? So that would be service-based. So anybody who has a high frequency of employees going in and out of remote work. So, you know, for our cleaning company, as an example, we have several different locations in one day. I can't be everywhere at once, Mm -hmm. but at least with the software and app, I can track where they are because we have geotagging. So I can say, okay, this person is here. This person is here. That's where they're supposed to be. Because sometimes people might not be where they're supposed to be, Mm -hmm. you know? And so we're able to be in several locations at once and be able to track the hours of our employees and the progress of different jobs. So a lot of service-based businesses do require that. Mm -hmm. So those are our people. That's not to say other professions have not used StaffNet. We've had a personal trainer use it for his clients. Mm-hmm. where they would track their workouts. So there are ways to work around it. But like you said, you definitely have to niche, niche down as scary as it is, because you feel like you're just kind of trimming the fat on what you can actually or who you can sell to. But the more we niche down, the more our message was heard, right? It was falling on deaf ears when we were trying to speak to everybody. Mm-hmm. But when we found our people and the correct way to speak to them, it was just way more observed. So true. So before that, you were trying to reach too many people. And like you said, it was falling on deaf ears. So the message just wasn't getting through or how, how were you messaging then before you developed your tight niche? That it was just a workflow optimization tool to make you save time in your day. 
save five plus hours a day. Cause on average, that's what our beta testers were saving. Mm -hmm. And we did have really good success with the person who worked in a restaurant that did the beta test. But, you know, as we found that message wasn't being, you know, absorbed as well as we wanted it to, we basically found that, you know, our people were more service-based that were signing up. So we really mm -hmm. had to listen to that. And same thing with beta, our betas who gave the most feedback were service-based. So mm -hmm. it was right in front of us the whole time. We just actually had to listen and look essentially, yeah. which we fail to do sometimes in business because we want everybody and all of the things. <laughs> right. And like you said, just because you've niched, niched down and you've identified your like ideal client, ideal customer, it doesn't mm -hmm. mean that other people won't end up using it. It, it just means that you're speaking directly to your ideal client or customer. And if other people see value in it and see a way that it can work for them, they'll mm -hmm. come in too. Mm -hmm. You're just not speaking directly to them because you have to yeah. keep your message honed to your ideal client in your niche. Absolutely. And I think it keeps the integrity as well with what you're selling, right? So this is need for this type of customer. I'm not trying to sell to everybody. I know who it's made for. And if something else wants to come in and purchase it, that's totally fine. We'll definitely mm -hmm. accept that and want to be of service. But we were made specifically for this. And if our story isn't reason enough, you know, <laughs> definitely yeah. service-based. So again, I think sometimes in business, we want all of the customers and all of the success so quickly that we forget to kind of sit with it a little bit mm -hmm. and like really look at what's happening in your business to be able to hone in on what is working and that was niching down to our people's service-based businesses. True. And I imagine any improvements you've made to the system over, you know, the past few years, you've made specifically within your niche and for those clients, haven't yes. you? Mm -hmm. Oh yes, absolutely. Yeah. So that's another benefit of niching down and identifying yeah. that ideal customer and ideal client. Yeah. They yeah. give wonderful feedback and stuff mm -hmm. that we never even thought of, right? Things mm -hmm. that may be so obvious. Oh, that we should have thought about that, but mm -hmm. yeah. Wonder, wonderful feedback. Yeah. So that's key to asking for that feedback and yeah, listening. it's tough though. It's tough, Kelly. A lot of people, myself included, when I receive an email delete, like just, there's so much that come into your inbox. So this is kind of going on a tangent here, but mm -hmm. I think building a connection with your audience and your customer base is really, really important to be able to grow your business effectively because that's what we started having to do. At first we would reach out, you know, quick survey, give us your feedback or whatever, delete. I can see nobody's opening it. I can see, you know, the subject line maybe isn't enticing them to open it or there's no clicks or if they do click, then they click out of it because they don't want to do a survey. Mm -hmm. So we had to develop that connection with them through our email marketing. And from there, when we're providing value and we're being of service, when we ask quick little favor to help us improve what would, what's one thing that you would suggest, for example, and people started responding and that was huge for us because we were trying the same thing over and over and over again for feedback for, I'd say months. We wow. did a small little tweak and all of a sudden we received an influx of feedback where I was like, Oh, this, this is where it's been hanging out. So 
you know, making that connection with your customer and your audience is really important. And it was kind of interesting because in our email subscribers, because we have a blog that we run. Mm -hmm. And so we have a lot of people who aren't necessarily customers yet. They're just people who want some advice or really like listening or reading our blog. And even the people who are just subscribers were actually providing feedback which is really, wow. really interesting. You know, it'd be really cool if you had this. And sometimes it's stuff that we already had because they didn't necessarily mm -hmm. know what was in there, but sometimes it was pretty valuable feedback. And so it's uh, it's really, really curious to see, you know, making that connection, how far that can go and actually drive your business forward. That's wild. People mm -hmm. who don't even use it were giving feedback. Yeah, yeah. You know, if I ran my business, I would need to have X, Y, and Z, you know? So, and I was like, oh, okay, yeah, we didn't have that yet. So we weren't linking at the time, just as an example, we weren't linking if you put in the customer confirmation, how it would update into the CRM automatically. Okay. It's wow. just so obvious, right? I've, yeah. I didn't think about it. And this one subscriber essentially mm -hmm. just said this, and it was such a game changer. All of our customers were just like mind blown when we did it. So it was wow. really, really, really great feedback. And yeah. none of the customer, I mean, yeah, none of, none of your customers suggested that it took no. someone not using it to suggest it. Yeah. That's yeah. amazing. So it's what were some of the, this is a great topic. It's not off tangent. <laughs> it, it's totally <laughs> relevant. So what were some of those tweaks that you made? I mean, you said building that relationship in your email marketing over time. So yeah. did you expect it to take time? I mean, it seems like it would, you know, developing relationships does mm -hmm. take time. So yeah. do you remember some of those tweaks that you made to build the relationship? Yeah. So we were providing more of what we had from the website, which we call lead magnets for opt-ins and whatnot. So we were actually creating those specifically for our email subscribers. So it's not anything that you can find on our website or that we were offering to anybody else at the time. It was tailored to, you know, if you're running a small business, one we did was for um, email subject lines that mm -hmm. entice a customer to open your email. Yeah, That was solely created for our email subscribers at the time. Wow. So it was kind of like an exclusive freebie, right? Mm -hmm. And so we were giving them something of value. And in return, we were just asking for a simple favor of feedback. And there was no pressure. It was just, you mm -hmm. know, if you have one minute of your time, so we gave them like a period of time, this would co like cost you one minute of your day. Yeah. And then basically they would write in a blurb and it would go automatically to us from the email. So it was really easy for them. They didn't have to swipe through a survey and fill it mm. out. We knew that wasn't working. Right. So yeah, we had to go back to the drawing board of thinking, what would I fill out? What would I do personally? Yeah. This person just gave me this gift. Mm -hmm. So naturally as human beings, we generally want to reciprocate and that worked really, really well. Oh, so you gave it to them anyway. Oh yeah. And, yeah, yeah. Okay. And then you said, and we'd love it if yeah. you'd give us like reply to this email Yeah, and give us feedback. <gasps> yeah. That's great. Cause you're right. Most people do it the other way. Please click, click here to give us feedback and in exchange, then we'll give you this thank you gift. Yeah. Yeah. Which in my mind was a bit reversed because I yeah. thought, okay, well, even if they don't reply, at least we're doing something of service and it's yes. kind. And, you know, at the end of the day, we're helping somebody hopefully right. move their needle forward. Yeah. And if they do feel so inclined, the offer is right there. It's a call to action. You have to put it out there, right. To yeah. actually kind of 
get them to move forward and give the feedback. And so, yeah, we just put it out there. It was a gentle ask, but it was, it went really, really far with, in terms of getting feedback. That's great. Love it. Awesome. Okay. Can we talk branding for a minute? Because I would love to hear what you did to brand your company and when you started doing it, especially since you went through the beta period. Yeah. Yeah. So branding was interesting. We hadn't ever branded a business with our cleaning business. We got supplies, got customers, and we were just kind of hitting the road with our employees. <laughs> and uh, we got, we made a website, I think like two months in on Squarespace and I made it, it was very, very bad. So yeah, we had no element or a history of branding. So we worked with a business coach, which is massive. You are a coach, right? So mm-hmm. basically with that, she taught us how to brand and be able to create a guide. So we put together a guide of, you know, what are our values? Mm-hmm. Where do we stand in terms of, you know, being of service, where we want to go in the future. And we put together like the colors that we would be using, the wordage we'd be using, mm-hmm. everything that basically, if I were removed from the business tomorrow and I couldn't work, somebody could step in and they would have this we called it the brand Bible for a little mm-hmm. bit, but we, that's we what changed. I call it too. Brand yeah, Bible. Do. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, we just put it on the Google drive and we started adding to it and it evolved into this whole guide that basically walks you through and holds your hand on how to effectively market our business essentially. Mm-hmm. And so that was vital to being able to start the process of branding and from there, branding was, it was tough for us because we were coming into a market that's pretty heavily saturated. You know, mm. SaaS is just, it's everywhere now where everybody's online, right. but especially for a type of business that we were running. But mm. our unique selling point was the fact that we were the first flat rate scheduling app and software. Mm. Wow. A lot of platforms, what we had issues with was that, so you had the main fee that you'd be paying, which let's say was $80, right? That's just to have the software running in the background. And then on top of that, you'd have to pay $2 on every employee. Wow. Expensive. And so for our business, the cleaning business, we had such an influx of employees, a high turnover job. So we would have 20 to 30 employees, but it would alternate. Like it depends on the season. It depends on, you know, if people are working or not. Mm -hmm. So basically it was really tough to be able to gauge and budget in our small business. So I thought, okay, if we were going to bring this to market, one hard thing that I wanted to make sure like we were not going to do was to have the influx of payments because that was really difficult for me to budget and being able to just manage my business and the accounting side of things. So we made it a flat rate. There's no addition to your flat rate. It's just, you have different, uh, amounts of people. So Mm -hmm. we offer freebie one, which was really cool. So Mm -hmm. it's zero to four employees and then five to 25 Mm -hmm. and then 26 to 50. So the last two tiers are paid, but the first one is unpaid, but basically it's the first flat rate one. So for branding that brought us to a different level where we were just a little bit more interesting to Mm -hmm. small businesses who were just getting started because they thought, okay, well, I can start on a freebie one and mm-hmm. you're going to get all the same features. That's wow. another thing. I didn't want to blast the features like a lot of people do because I thought, well, 
we worked really hard to create these features and they're value to a small business. And then I'm going to really kind of strong arm you into like going up a tier and like starting to pay. Mm-hmm. I don't know. For me, it just didn't feel good in my heart. So we decided to offer the free tier full features and hopefully we can help you grow your business to the point where you're now having five employees and then you stay with us and then you become a paid customer, right? So that's the onboarding process that we have for our customer journey. So our customer journey evolved through our branding and you know our unique selling point as well. That's great. A few things. First, I love that you offer the full features in the free plan because Mm -hmm. that really does bug me to no end. And and I understand why so many software, you know, programs have to or or not have to, but do give you more options with the higher tiers. You know, Mm -hmm. you have to pay to get more options. Because if it's not something that's team-based or employee-based, then how else are they going to do it? But when you're on a even a free trial, how do you know if you want to pay or, you know, stick with the the service, unless you can try everything. Mm -hmm. So, you know, some free trials give you access to everything and others just don't. And it's like, well, I don't know if I can't try this, I don't know. And then the other, the key thing, when you're talking about unique selling feature, that is so important. And it's so difficult for most people to figure out. So this one was really obvious for you. You know, you found that gap that, other services don't offer. They have these tiers where where they don't offer those features at every plan. And so that's what you're paying for when you go up. And for you, you made it different by number of employees, which is just brilliant. Mm -hmm. And so many people, when they start to brand their business, whether they're a solo entrepreneur or a bigger company, it's really hard to identify that unique selling feature. Yeah, it is. So it's it's, so important though, to identify the gap, mm -hmm. like you said, right? So I don't know if you come from a place of service, I feel like you're able to identify that a little easier. You know, for us, we didn't create this business to make a lot of money. Actually, we didn't even go into it thinking we were going to market it. So that gave us a unique perspective because we weren't thinking, oh, how much money can we make from this? Mm -hmm. If I help one person, then that's awesome. Cool. Mm -hmm. Then I've done my job. We're good and fine. We have the cleaning business. We have other sources of income. We're Mm -hmm. not just solely focused on this. And I think the fact that we came from that unique perspective, it's allowed us to grow that much faster Mm -hmm. because we weren't focused on that money aspect of it. Right. Do you still have the cleaning business? We do. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. These two businesses going on, or do you have something else too? Or is it these two? No, no. Yeah. So two are enough. enough, And I was working a full-time job. I had a baby. So then I was on maternity leave for a little bit, about a year and a half. And Mm. then, um, yeah, just the idea of going back to work, just like was not sitting well with me. I was Mm. like, these are my two babies. Well, three now, my real baby, my two babies of the business. And I just want to be able to grow this. And StaffNet was just getting so busy that all of a sudden I had this new job. So mm-hmm. I was able to, you know, leave my full-time job to be able to come to this one to do full-time. And then the cleaning business is pretty self-sufficient now. So mm-hmm. 
Yeah. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. So with the cleaning business, you were marketing locally, of course, you know, you can't yeah. be sitting in Canada. Where are you in Canada again? We're in Ottawa. So it's Ottawa, the capital. Okay. We're just above Toronto. Okay. So, yeah. you know, you can't be sitting in Ottawa and be cleaning here in Pittsburgh. So, <laughs> or send, well, yeah. I mean, there are, you know, yeah. Yes, there are com- companies that expand and do that, but yeah. you were local. Your cleaning business is local. Mm-hmm. And StaffNet is now global, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you had to switch gears in how you were marketing StaffNet. Mm-hmm. So how did yeah. you make that mind shift, a mindset shift and the marketing shift? Oh, it was really hard. So cleaning business was mainly by word of mouth. You know, we did some Facebook ads in the early days of like 2018. And at the time it just, I don't know, it wasn't really working for us. And then we did Groupon for a little bit. And so that was really good. Um, And then we got pretty stable in our business and we decided that we weren't going to really kind of grow anymore because we didn't have more hours to work in a day and it was really hard to find employees for a while. So we've stayed very, very small. We stayed by word of mouth and stuff and we have a really great client base. So there's that. And then when we went to launching StaffNet and we're still technically in the early adapter phase, we haven't like officially like nothing's really going to change overnight, but it's just a phase that you call early adapters. And so that ends in January. So this past year, October 6th of last year, we launched to be able to have people become early adapters and use StaffNet and stuff like that. So then we started the marketing and we met with a media company because I thought, well, this is what we need to do. We need to do radio ads. We need to do Facebook ads and Instagram ads and boost posts. And what else did we do? Uh, Google ads. Anyways, we did a lot of things. So we had this whole marketing budget and I thought, this is what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to put the world out there, shout from the rooftops that StaffNet is here and uh, people are going to flock to you. Mm-hmm. Not true. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, it was a very expensive lesson to learn because there was no no like trust. You know, we had no authority, brand recognition, anything like that. We were just kind of really like hitting the map hard. And we had these cool radio ads that would say sponsored by StaffNet, but people thought we were a staffing agency. So there was that. So there was a lot of issues with marketing initially because we just didn't know how to do it. We didn't have any brand authority whatsoever. And we were just very green in that. So that was a really expensive marketing lesson, I would say that's around like $20,000. So yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But then all of a sudden we had no more marketing budget that I could willfully spend. Mm -hmm. So, um, we went to the drawing board and I thought, okay, well, if I don't have any money to spend, then I guess I have to do it organically. Mm -hmm. So how am I going to do that? So with online, there's SEO, we have blogging and that also intertwines SEO. We're able to do social media content, you know, coming on a podcast like this, being able to guest post on different platforms through your writing as well. So I started doing all of these different things. It was crazy. It was so hectic. I don't even know how I did it all, but I wanted to figure out what was the best stream for organic marketing. It was like this giant experiment that I was doing. What I found was that through blogging and effective SEO with our website, 
we were able to actually start generating some traffic. Mm -hmm. And so when we started generating some traffic, we would have people come to our website, they would subscribe to our blog, or then they'd follow us on social media. And then all of a sudden we started building this following. So people starting to get to know StaffNet. And then people in our community that knew us saw our posts and saw our faces as well. And they were like, so what is the StaffNet thing? Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden word of mouth, the same thing that worked for a cleaning business was coming full circle. And it was really interesting because I thought, well, that's not local, but technically mm -hmm. it could be local too, right? Because we have yeah. tons of businesses. So then all of a sudden we started marketing that way and our business grew so much just through organic marketing by spending literally $0. Yes, my time is valuable, mm -hmm. but on the scale of money, technically I didn't spend any money and it was tenfold, way more effective than the paid marketing. And it's not to say paid marketing doesn't work. It works really well. You know, Coca-Cola spends billions, Walmart spends right. billions, but obviously it's very effective, but for a small to medium business, it's really not necessary. And a lot of media businesses, outlets will kind of lead you to think that that's the magic trick to making your, your business work and become successful. And it's really not. It's just a matter of showing up and putting your business on the map day after day after day after day. So that was yeah. probably the hardest shift, lesson, mindset, all that all wrapped up in one in the last year. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. And and so true that paid marketing helps, but it tends to help most the bigger you are well, or the more well-known your brand already is yeah. to stay top of mind. But when you're just getting started, you have to build brand awareness first. And that tends not to come as much from paid ads, it tends to yeah. come from what you were doing, that organic and active organic growth. Yeah. Yeah. And being the face of your business too. At first, mm -hmm. Dwayne and I were a little bit shy about it. We thought, oh, we were going to do these little cartoons and it was cute. We made these three cartoons of our children. So we were kind of playing homage to them. So we thought, okay, that's really, really cute. And then we realized through branding and learning a little bit more about it, people actually connect more with like a human being. So then we became the face of StaffNet and we started showing up in videos, whatever mm -hmm. content we were posting and stuff like that. And that went a lot further in terms of making that connection with our customer base. Yeah. And we hesitate to do that so much. It, yeah. it can be scary and yeah. yeah. How open do I have to be? How, I feel so vulnerable. Yeah. Do I really have to pull out my phone and do a reel? Yeah, it's so scary because you're just putting yourself on the stage to be mm -hmm. judged, right? And mm -hmm. I even had family that were like asking me questions, you know, why are you popping up so much on Instagram all the time? I'm like, what do you got to do? Yeah, because I want to grow my business. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep. And it's being strategic about it. It's like telling a story yes. that'll get people, like you said, to know, like, and trust you and helps boost the business. So doesn't mean like sharing everything that you eat. There has to be a story to go along with it. So yeah, exactly. And you've got a great story about how you started it. And yeah. Thank you. That's awesome. Yeah. So what tips do you have for entrepreneurs who are getting started in launching software as a service? Like, do you have, do you have specific tips for them? 
Yeah, I would say definitely putting together that brand Bible is really, really big in the first, you know, three, maybe six to three months before you even launch, because you want to be able to create an effective marketing campaign to be able to effectively launch your business. And that marketing campaign doesn't have to be paid whatsoever. It can all be organic by all the ways that I listed before and being able to strategically, like you mentioned, be able to build that story so people can engage with you. So I think that's really, really important to do prior to your launch because you're just really setting yourself up for, you know, the championship game or whatever. Ultimately, it's the practice up until then, um, because that's really going to make your launch far more effective than just kind of showing up on the map and all of a sudden expecting the sales to come because that's not going to work. Yeah. So you really have to do a build up prior to your launch and building that customer base. That's one thing I wish I would have done is I felt at the time we weren't offering our services. I thought, well, who's going to be interested in coming to my website and learning about my product if I'm not going to give it to them? It turns out people are really interested in that. And they want to be on this exclusive list to be the first to hear about it and all that stuff. So being able to, you know, prior to your launch, set that up is really, really important to get that email list, whatever it may be to have your audience building before you even launch your product. So definitely brand Bible, building that email list and your offering prior to your actual launch are really um, important. And then I would say even before that would be doing your beta. Betas are really, really important to learn where your business should be going because you might have a trajectory in your mind but ultimately that's probably not where you're going to end up going. It's mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> business is crazy. It's a wild journey. And the feedback from your beta testers will actually teach you how your business should evolve. That's great. Yeah. It sounds like the beta was really essential for you and made all the difference in the world with finding your ideal customer and your niche and just yeah. everything. That's awesome. Yeah. And even for any type of business, really, like my husband runs, he's a personal trainer and he does in-person training, but now he's going to online mm -hmm. and he's basically done a beta with that as well too. So anything that's really online, betas are like wonderful to be able to learn what your customer base is looking for. So you can cater to that because that's on your business is to be able to serve your customer. So, right. Yeah, absolutely. And you're so right about what we think people want is we're putting out there what we want them to want, but we yeah. need to listen to what they actually want and need. So, yeah. And that goes hand in hand with the marketing and the way that you word things too, right? Because if you're just saying what you think they want, you're spewing that out there. Yes. On some level, you have to be able to assume certain things, right. but if you're not listening to your customer feedback and you're just saying you want this, this, and this in your marketing, it's going to fall in deaf ears. Nobody's going to want to buy your product. But if you're truly listening and engaging with your customer base, then it's like the magic sauce to being able to, you know, work your marketing effectively and being able to, it's like somebody's giving you like the cheat sheet whenever yes. you're listening to your customers really. The and truly. script. Yeah. You they're can giving use you. their words. I mean, tweak them a tiny yeah. bit, but you can yeah. use their words in your marketing. Yeah. 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 That's great. So how can listeners find you to learn more about StaffNet? Yeah, so we're at staffnet.ca. 
And we are hanging out on LinkedIn quite a bit. So that would be at StaffNet Scheduling. And then from there, we always link up to our blogs as well. So you can find us all over the internet there. Awesome. Well, I'll Mm -hmm. put that in the show notes on this episode's page on my website. And thank you so much for being here today. This has been really great. And I just love all the tips and insight that you shared. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. And thank you all for being here today. I would love it if you would follow this podcast. It will be rebranded in just a few weeks as the podcast Launchpad, helping you use podcasting as a tool to market and grow your business. So stick around for that, please. In the meantime, I'll be back in a few days. So I'll see you then.